0818 715 815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline. 51551 is our text number. I'm uh, reading from a number of reports in today's uh, newspapers, which will give you a quick summary of what we're getting calls about um, by the health correspondent, a well-respected uh, health correspondent in the Irish Independent for many, many years, Eilish O'Regan. C-sections on rise as new mums uh, regarded as fat, short and old study. A huge influence in doctors deciding to do caesarean sections is in fact so many first, is the fact that so many first-time mothers in Ireland are fat, old and short and obstetrician anonymously, by the way, has told researchers in a new study. It found the fear factor where a doctor is concerned about adverse outcomes and litigation risk is among the drivers behind the steady rise in first-time mothers giving birth by caesarean section here. Um, however, the Trinity College Dublin researchers it was funded, by the way, by the Health Research Board. We're also told by an obstetrician, a huge influence is the fact that so many Irish women giving birth were fat, old and short compared to the Netherlands, where they are taller, slimmer and healthier with a lower uh, caesarean section rate. Um, another consultant uh, said, I think those of us working in this area appreciate the fact that we will be subject to litigation no matter what we do. It's part of the job. Some uh, suggested uh, some suggested that women who go private think they own the consultant and the doctor feels like their hands are tied and they are more likely uh, to intervene. But more than one third of first-time mothers are giving birth by caesarean section, despite evidence suggesting no additional benefits uh, to mothers and babies. And indeed, when you read through this report, uh, one of the uh, arguments uh, the uh, author makes, and it's it's all researched and they're basically very well researched. Um, however, over the last few decades, more and more women are giving birth to the, more and more women are giving birth to the first baby by CS with a lack of clarity around the factors influencing decision making, the act, the lack of evidence of additional benefits to mothers and babies. Research on birth by CS has revealed an increase in both the type and severity of postpartum morbidity compared to women who uh, birth uh, vaginally. Uh, complex complexities around decision making for future births are uh, another uh, issue raised after CS. Increased hospital rehospitalisation and increased healthcare costs. Now, uh, Ruth is responding to these reports, and so was Claire. Ruth, good afternoon. Hi, Joe. Um, what, 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 what did you take? You took from this the, the fat, old and short comment. <laughs> yeah, because I'm fat. I was uh, older. I mean, I don't know what they define as all of these okay. things. <laughs> the shorter piece is utterly astounding. Um, it, it, it beggars belief and the fact that they would use the risk of litigation as the reason mm-hmm. behind this rather than what are the health risks to people that do this. Surely if we know as a society and obviously the medical profession is aware that we are fatter and older and shorter, mm-hmm. why is the work not been done to educate people to be able to provide the support for people to give birth, quote, naturally? Why is it uh, or the push to a C-section if that's the case? And I'm speaking as someone who has had three C-sections. Okay. Um, and the, the reason behind uh, the, the latter two was, was given as my BMI. So it's 
there were, there were no it. other health, yeah, there were no health, other health implications, you know, identified to hmm. me, except for your, bo- my your body, your body mass yeah. index. Is, and and, yeah. uh, and was, I'm this, struggling. Was, this, was this actually said to you, Ruth? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from, from, from the very offset, from the very offset. Yeah. yeah, your BMI is obviously, they determine it. <clears throat> when you when you have your first mm-hmm. booking appointment, in my experience, and mine was put on in large letters in the front of my file and highlighted, oh. so that every appointment thereafter that I had with an obstetrician, and this is both publicly and privately because I okay. experienced both. The first thing was your BMI. Um, that that was the first thing that was raised, regardless of like healthy bloods, healthy blood pressure, yeah, all yeah. of that. The, the focus was solely on weight and therefore there was very little conversation around mm-hmm. an option for me of giving birth naturally because yeah. it was kind of, oh, she's fat and she, she's therefore sick, she's unhealthy and she won't be in a position to give birth naturally. And um, there, was, there was never any conversation around how we would better support someone in a bigger body mm-hmm. to, to give birth naturally. It was just, this is, this is your this is your option, basically. This is where you go. Um, and and, and the, you, you, would, you would have been personally in favour of a natural... Now, every birth is natural, I know, but uh, <laughs> a, a natural birth is as described in this report, not a C-section. Oh, certainly, yeah, okay. certainly. Were you, you advised of any downsides of C-sections, which are elucidated in this report? That's why I presume one of the reasons why there's concern now about one-third of first-time mothers in Ireland uh, undergo C-sections in the birth of their first child. Um, yeah. were, were you told of any downsides of a C-section? I mean, there's always that element, like there's obviously this consent that they give you, on the, you know, and there's, I mean, you're not completely made oblivious to the risk because it's a surgery. Um, but I mean, I had no idea and I definitely wasn't made aware of, let's say, I knew it was going to take longer to heal. But what that meant, that, mm-hmm. what that meant in terms of how I fed my baby, how I could hold my baby, how I could, when you're the sole carer for a child after you've had a major surgery yourself, the implications for that. Then, I mean, in my experience, I went on to develop quite severe infection after my last C-section, which okay. ultimately put my life at risk. Um, so, like, that was, I, I know it's an outlier case, but that was never portrayed to me. I never went in there thinking I could potentially, you know, be at death's door as a result of this. That was, that was never, yeah. and, that was never and, discussed with me. <laughs> well, you explained that, but the, the recovery time, Ruth, in terms of the healing of the scars, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. Like, it's, and I suppose everybody recovers differently and I'm sure there's people mm. like, and I suppose, uh, I should have said from the offset, Joe, like, I don't think there's any easy way yeah, to give yeah, birth or yeah, there's any, yeah. like, unpainful way. I think, like, anyone who is birthing is is a wonder. Like, I think it's it's Here, fantastic yeah, what we yeah, do. So, yeah. like, yeah, just what, the, so, but I suppose in my experience, and I didn't experience a natural birth, I wasn't given that opportunity. But for me, it was, like, at least six weeks. And that, it's, it's healing while caring for a newborn baby. Mm-hmm. So that means no sleep, Obviously, it's all the things that somebody who, who birthed naturally would experience as well. But you have the added, yeah, I suppose your your the, the, the scar, the like everything, everything that you do every time you bend over, every yeah, time you yeah, reach for yeah. something, like there's there's a additional level of pain. And like, listen, as I said, I know there could be like complications, and even from a natural birth, 
again, there's no easy way, and I'm sure there's, there's okay. pain involved. But yeah, in terms of how it would impact the care of my baby afterwards, that, yeah, that definitely was not discussed uh, at all. Yeah. And Ruth, would there be a stigma around C-section? I, I mean, I was surprised to like see the report that there was. I mean, I had a couple of comments about like, oh, you had the sunroof, they came out the sunroof um, mm-hmm. <laughs> comments, which I very quickly rebuted because <laughs> I don't think anyone mm-hmm. that has, is aware of someone that has uh, delivered a baby in any way would think that it's one route is necessarily easier than the other. Um, and I mean, for me, there was a and, level and of and like... Sp- sp- sorry, in the... Like to, to make that analogy is is outrageous. Oh, it is! It's utterly outrageous. Sunroof, like a, it's, a sunroof yeah. is something you press a button, it opens. Uh, if you can afford that type of car, it opens, yeah. and you press a button, and it closes. Yeah. Oh no! It's in, it's, in your, it's in, outrageous it's, that it would be. And who? I don't want to know the name, but was a man or woman? It was a woman. It was a woman, which was uh, also, also troubling. It was troubling. But I mean, I think that's like I, I would hope. I mean, that's a while ago, but I would hope mm. that it's like in this day and age, people wouldn't yeah, absolutely. dare yeah. to make comments yeah, like that just... or that, you know, you're too posh to push. I mean, for God's sake, it's, there's no easy way. There's no easy well, way. What, and, and then yeah. were you entitled or in a position where you could avail of maternity leave? Of course you were entitled to if you were in a position. But does that mean the most of your maternity leave was taking, taken up with recovery from the C-section instead of... Oh yeah, well like um, in the first, yeah, in the first, like well, I suppose maybe, like for me, again, it's different for everybody, but there was a good portion of my maternity leave. On my last C-section, my entire maternity leave was 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 recovering from the C-section. Wow. That was all of it. So the actual, you know, but then listen, maternity leave looks different for everybody. Um, and But that, that kind of going to the classes with your baby and, and meeting mums for coffee, like there was, there was, Absolutely none of that because because I was on, he, uh, you, yeah, you, were he, well, yeah. you were healing you were healing I was healing uh, yeah. As, yeah as well as everything else going on like uh, Ruth stay there for a sec five one double five one Joe at rt.ie Claire good afternoon hi Joe how are you um, there's a number of uh, now issues coming up in this debate one I suppose I'll begin with uh, is C-section regarded is is there a stigma around having a C-section an embarrassment almost. I personally, in my own opinion, um, there is, yeah, I think more so now than, I, like, I had my son 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So at the time, the stigma was, I was 18 when I had him, so the stigma was more around my age, more than the fact I was having a section. But it was nearly, um, I, I was told that because my, I was a C-section, I was born a C-section, that okay. most likely my son would be a C-section as well. It was just kind of assumed. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, it turned out that I, I ended up um, needing an emergency C-section. So, um, you know, it, it it was on the cards, I think, though, anyway, from the start, it was like almost nearly assumed that I would. But I was never told this. But I just got that feeling that it was on the cards. But I never really understood, obviously being 18 at the time, I never really understood what exactly was in front of me going into this C-section because I didn't know what to expect. And you're not given any information by any by anybody. You know, I mean, mm. as I was saying to your researcher around, like when women, uh, you know, approach their GPs, you know, to to discuss their pregnancy or to you know be told that they're pregnant, they should have the support there from GPs, from doctors. You know, hey, look, these, you know, if you give birth naturally, this is what to expect during you know during it and afterwards, and this is what to expect if 
you mm. need if you did need a C-section, this is what the recovery is going to be like. And the risks. I, and the risk, yeah, yeah, I ended up um, developing sepsis so, um, uh, afterwards. So for me, I, I didn't know what to expect. And, mm. you know, it was, it was a very, um, very difficult process. The recovery definitely was very, very hard, but, um, and, and one that was unexpected because you can't care for your child, you know, yeah, so yeah, it was a bit difficult. And Claire, the, the, the argument, you said <coughs> you were told uh, that the reason you're more likely to, to need a C-section because you were born by C-section. Yeah. Where is yeah. where is the scientific and medical genetic <laughs> You tell uh, me, argument? Joe, I have to go. <laughs> yeah. It's mad, it's mad. Yeah, it's mad. It but, is, no, you, um, I'm saying you weren't offered any logic, um, any scientific information to back that up. There's someone who was born by C-section is more yeah. likely to want a C-section on their first child or to need it? Um, it was more a case of that. Um, I was told this when I was in my last trimester of pregnancy. I was um, attending a hospital appointment and I was told that at the time that, um, oh, I was asked if I was a section baby and I said, yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, I didn't think anything of it. Like, you know, I was I was more concerned about my health and... Um, I, when when that was said, I just thought like, wow, okay, that's interesting. And you know, they just said, well, you know that um, you, because you were born through C-section, that you know per, most most people who are born that way end up having C-sections or needing C-sections. Mm. And that was the first time that I'd really kind of thought yeah. about that. I was like, okay, that's really unusual. And, and, and well, Claire, what if you had what have you had said? <clears throat> I don't know. I didn't say I didn't say anything at the time. I probably should have questioned it, but I, I suppose I was just more concerned about my health and the health of the child course, than of I course, was. Of course, you know, of course. again, I was young, so I wasn't thinking, yeah. you know, about it. But I think more so now, like I, when I when I think about it in hindsight, I think you know any appointments I attended, mm. it was always a case of oh, and you're filling out a, a form, and it was okay, was that section or was that a natural birth? And I was just like. It was a section, yeah, okay. And it was like, well, what relevance has that got? You know, I can understand yeah, if you're going no. for a surgical procedure or something, they might need to know your medical history. But like in, in for general like, stuff... If a man was going in for a prostate operation or whatever, would would you be asked? Uh-huh. Has a man ever been asked, were you a natural birth? Well, all births are natural, as Ruth rightly pointed out, uh-huh. and, and challenging. But were you a natural birth or a C-section? I've never heard of a man being asked that question under any circumstances. Yeah, is there? I, it's I bizarre. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, and it's how, how, and how did the C-section go? Oh, not great, Joe. <laughs> you mentioned uh, like, I can, I can, I can kind of smile and laugh about it now in hindsight, but because I'm, I'm well past that stage. But you know, it, it wasn't. A, it was, it was a very scary and terrifying experience. And you know, again, when you go into it not knowing what to expect. I mean, he was my. He's my first. It's your first child. Even if you had a natural, you know, um, was we'll a natural pregnancy, um, you know, and, and then you're being told for your second or third that you need to have a C-section. Even then, I wouldn't expect parents, any parent to understand, you know, what it is that they're going to experience because they're not told. Mm. You're not informed. And, and the recovery after it, it took me over a year, Joe, just to recover from wow. From the section and then the sepsis as well on top of it. So, so for your me, ba- it was, so your baby was uh, one by the time you'd recovered from the surgical aspects of the birth. 
basically, yeah, my 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 mother and my and my my partner at the time they they juggled, yeah, the responsibilities of of raising raising the child, yeah. Okay, so raising it's, raising them, yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. Stay with us, crazy, yeah. Um, I, 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 I know my original my one of my questions there was what have you mm. said to them? I do not know if I was C section or natural, so to speak, to give those two brief descriptions. Do you, um, what they have said to you? Well, you're going to have to find out. Possibly, I mean, mm. I'd, they possibly would have they would have asked, or you know, they probably they might have. I mean, and if I you're, don't know if you're time, asking but... if you're asking the question from a medical yeah. background, surely. There's a reason, and if there is a reason, surely you should be able to find out medically if I was a C-section or an actual yeah. birth. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. say with us, Claire. I, I, yeah, of course. Yeah, sorry. No, Joe, I was just going to say, actually, you know, it was a few years ago that I was I was told, you know, if I do have any other more children, you know, that I'd have to have a C-section. So, <laughs> which seems bizarre to me, like, why women aren't yeah. given the option, you well, know. Why is it automatically use, presumed? Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, Joe at uh, Hannah, good afternoon. Hi there. Uh, you're listening to Ruth and Claire. Go ahead, Hannah. Yeah, well, I just wanted to say, really, I suppose, that that article really exposed an attitude within the maternity services in Ireland that I think women who've been through them recently are well aware of. And while there are absolute superstars within the system, mm-hmm. nurses, doctors, midwives, and I had the good fortune to meet some of those yeah. in my last pregnancy, there is still very much an attitude when you're going in to give birth that the hospital has protocols to follow and what your desires, wishes, feelings, understanding of what is happening to you is very secondary to that. Uh, and while the fear of litigation is totally understandable, mm-hmm. there has to be a middle ground. And women in Ireland still don't have agency when they're giving birth. And that's vastly different from in other European countries. And, and it's really difficult because it means that, as your other callers were saying, when you have a new baby, you're also going through, many women are going through yeah. serious trauma yeah. linked to birth, often because they weren't listened to. Um, and that has to change. And that article, quotes in that article, just underlines that and exposed it, I think, to a bigger audience. And you say in, in your contact here, the article has exposed what women are going through the maternity services know. The guiding principle is getting the baby out healthy and fast, often without regard to the impact on the birthing mother. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to expand on that? Because that's, that's it's very clear. It's very clear. <laughs> but who, if, are you saying women are being, being encouraged to have C-sections? I think that, you know, to a certain extent that certainly happens. And anecdotally, one would often hear around people who've been within... And the private system and scheduling becomes a clear reason why sections are, are suggested for reasons that international evidence don't support, like the ideas around having a section because you're having a big baby, which there's international research that shows that that's not always a convincing argument to have a section. Um, but equally, you know, it, it, look, in my second, I've had two children in the past four years in Dublin and in both times, as I said, I've met incredible people within the maternity system but also the second time had very real experience of talking to the people in delivery about what happened the first time round okay. and being consistently told, no, what you're saying is inaccurate. We're doing it this way. Um, and, you know, the Dublin hospitals often, many of them offer a birth reflection service and I've done that and that was really, really helpful. But other people within the system, midwives, have told me that mm. there was no way 
to, to listen to what I was saying because I knew, because I'd educated myself. Of course, again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse, I'm not a midwife, but I had done a hospital's own hypnobirthing course that had taught me about all the stages okay. of labor and all the options. And the options aren't explained to you when you're giving birth. Okay. You're told, this is what we're going to do. And that can be a very scary place, especially if you're not being listened to at all, when you have an understanding of what's going on and you're asking questions about your care. And how, Hannah, how do you win an, an argument <laughs> or a discussion with, with medics who tell you, listen, this is, this is for the health and safety of the child. How do you win that? How can you... Well, everybody's weighing that up very differently. I mean, yeah. no one wants to take a decision that's going to yeah, risk exactly. their child. Yeah, and exactly. terrible things happen um, in, in maternity services through nobody's fault. Tragic, awful things do happen. But, you know, there is an attitude among people even ha- getting pregnant that the less you know, the better um, about mm. giving birth. And I just don't think that that's true or healthy. Um, you know, there's loads of resources yeah, of course, out there. Yeah medically, you know, educate midwives, giving courses explaining how things are. And I think actually if the antenatal education in Ireland gave a lot more real information, um, it would be easier to, to have these conversations from a position where people aren't feeling so terribly vulnerable. You know, the, the information knowledge is power, um, and it can yeah, transform yeah, yeah. your experience to at least understand what you're being told. Now, you know, many times... And a white white coat and a uniform and scrubs uh, are, are power as well, aren't they? Very intimidating. Yeah. But very, I just I suppose my, my other way of putting the question is uh, asking that question. Has anyone listening, uh, obviously a mother, a woman, and maybe a couple, has anyone successfully resisted the insistence of medics that you should have a C-section? And if so, how? Have you successfully I, resisted? Do you think you have? No, no, okay. but I did change. I did, in the birth of my second child, I went in and was, it was recommended that an induction happened three weeks early, and that was obviously a surprise, and it was a difficult set of circumstances. And, of course, I listened when they said, this is the safest option for you and your baby. Yeah. But induction, there's many stages to induction. And, and by asking questions like, what other options are there? and what timeline is necessary, what timeline is risky, I was able to go through several more stages that made the birth slightly less um, hectic or intense or emergency. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. started to choose the right adjective. But the second doctor that I saw very strongly said, I absolutely don't agree with the advice that's been given to you earlier on this evening in this okay. hospital. Okay. What you're saying is completely right. Your body is not ready to go on an oxytocin trip yet, we're going to go for another route first. So the only because I'd independently educated myself was I aware yeah, that there were yeah. other steps. And so that made it easier on my body. And I'm quite sure that had I not asked those questions and asked to see another doctor, mm-hmm. I would have ended up in a section much, much faster. And um, I don't know anyone who would stand up and say, I'm not going to have a section. That's obviously... If doctor is telling you that's the safest thing, you're probably going okay. to say And then that. you'd be accused of being reckless and... Absolutely, um, absolutely, by, by everyone. And I'm sure everyone, you'd feel a great degree yeah. of potential guilt around that too. Yeah. But I do know somebody, for example, who um, was having an emergency section and 
there was an advice around having it being a crash section, which is when you're knocked out under general anaesthetic. And the two parents, the mother in question was a scientist, so it probably helped. But they they did say we're not going to we're not going down that route. It's not it's, it'll be fine. And they had to sign a disclaimer and they went ahead and had the section without being under general anaesthetic, mm-hmm. and it did all work out for the best. So it does require a strong degree of confidence, I suppose, in your own you know in your own yeah, understanding yeah. of what's going on. But all the same, um, we're not even taught or informed in the vast majority of cases in our interactions with the maternity system that we even have a voice. You know, and I think your other other, uh, contributors there clearly outlined that in their experiences. Um, One thing I would like to say is that the community midwife scheme that runs out of a lot of the hospitals is fantastic, and the community midwives are absolutely Mm -hmm. amazing on all of this stuff, and they really encourage education, and they really talk to you about all your different options in a way that my dealings with... um, the more obstetrician-led route uh, doesn't mm. to the same extent. And the community midwives are a really an incredible part of the Irish health system. And are midwives all female, Hannah, in your experience? I've never met a male midwife, but I've heard there are a few. OK, OK. Stay with us, because fascinating and disturbing number of issues uh, have been raised um, by Ruth, Claire and Hannah. Uh, Joe at rte.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Uh, just uh, another, um, again, these are quotes from this uh, really well-researched uh, study um, from Trinity College yesterday. And um, I'm, I'm using quotes just to try and, if people haven't heard the first, um, the first uh, section of the programme, it was... Um, by the, the study was undertaken by uh, Sunita uh, Panda of Trinity College and um, it, it found the fear factor where a doctor is concerned about adverse outcomes and litigation risk is among the, the drivers behind the steady rise in first-time mothers giving birth by caesarean sections. Now reckoned in Ireland one-third of uh, women give birth, uh, first-time birth uh, by caesarean section. We're hearing uh, women's stories. Emma, your your story, please, Emma. Hi, Joe. How are hey, you? Good, thanks. Good, thanks. <laughs> I just I just checked my Fitbit. My heart rate is 100. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, be careful, um, <laughs> will you? Be careful. Um, well, look, at, I, I haven't had a C-birth. I call it caesarean birth. Okay. Um, but I, I have had two um, two boys by um, the other way. Okay. Um, one of them is almost 18 and my my youngest is nearly two. Um, both births were very, very different. Um, my first birth was quite, I was allowed just to be in the room. I was given the space and time to go through labour naturally. Mm-hmm. I wasn't put under any pressure to be induced or to have any kind of, you know, augmentation of labour. Okay. And and I had I had a great experience with two midwives in the hospital. Um, whereas fast forward fifteen, nearly sixteen years later, I found the pressure to be induced was especially coming up towards the end of the, the pregnancy mm-hmm. in each in each of the appointments, um, there was a lot of emphasis on having a cervical sweep, which is where they rupture the membranes 
to to basically their their right. whole idea yeah. is to get labor started yeah. you know yeah. um which i i refused right up until the end i i because i had done like your previous caller had done my research and i i know that the cervical sweep is a form of induction and i didn't want an induction okay. um, and we given the, any information on the risks no, no, given none. And even even they do say, I, I had been told that there were no risks for having a cervical sweep, yeah. to which, you know, in hindsight research now, that I, I do know now, um, there are risks associated with cervical sweeps. And it's usually the start of what they call a cascade of interventions, which will then, if the cervical sweep doesn't work, which in a lot of cases it doesn't, mm-hmm. they will do another sweep, which can cause severe pain, heavy bleeding, um, it can cause all sorts of complications down the line and will also lead to other other methods of induction, such as the syntocin uh, drip, which is a synthetic form of oxytocin, um, which I actually mm. had during my last birth because, unfortunately, I felt pressured into into taking this. My, um, my waters had broken 24 hours previously okay. and because... My contractions weren't coming up strong enough on the CTG monitor. They um, basically had me in the room and basically suggested, you know, had me thinking, I, I have to do this. I have to have this drip now or I'm putting my baby at risk um, because of, of infection, you know, which is very unfair because they weren't telling me the actual risks of having the syntocin drip. They weren't telling me the risks of having this induction, what could have gone, what, what I was putting myself and the baby at mm-hmm. risk of by agreeing to the induction. I do regret, Joe, not going home. Um, and that's something I've had to... And what, what, do you, what do you mean you regret not going home? Because in, I know now, I'm actually training to be a doula, Joe. I don't okay. know if you know what a, a doula is. Yeah, but I've read, I've read, up, read up on the match in the last 20 they're, they're people, well, there's professionals who help Women, yeah, yeah, who are about to give birth, isn't that correct? Is that will um, you, you explain it? You you'd be better than I would. I will. So um, obviously, pausing where we're at in the labour ward there with the syntocin drip. Um, since that experience, I just feel this pull to 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 be there for women and to help women mm-hmm. through this. Um, I suppose the navigating the system and also being in labor, understanding it's a natural process, understanding the natural hormones that you can tap into while you're in labor and helping a woman to create that space that she can birth in naturally, which we've been doing for millennia. And Joe, mm. as you know yourself, I'm sure, I don't know if you were born in a hospital or not, but I'm sure the generations that went before you, they were all born at home. I was born um, at home, yeah. Were you born at home? Because my, well, and I tell you why, Emma. Because my yeah. mother had an awful experience with my um, the firstborn in our family, James. She had an awful experience in the hospital. Did she? And, was it traumatic for her? Traumatic. She told she told us that before before she died, because we we asked why were the five the remaining five all born at home? Yeah, and uh, that she had a very very difficult um, first birth and experience. In yeah. in the hospital, but anyway, that's. But uh, but 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't know Emma. I was coming back to, was it who 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 was making the point? Was it Hannah? I uh, no, it was um, Claire. I I wouldn't know whether I I was born by C section. I presume I was born at home, so it was a natural birth to use that distinction. But I wouldn't yeah. know. Most people would know what way that they were brought into this world. 
Well, um, it's 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 crazy to believe that the the amount, as I said to your the lady who took who rang me straight away when I texted, um, she I, I explained to her there's so much misinformation and, and opinions given by these professionals who we go in to trust. You know, these are their opinions. They're not actual medical facts. And their opinion is they're looking at you and they say, oh, you, you've got a you've got a high BMI. You're not suited for natural birth, which is, you know, misinformation. That is not a medical why, why, fact. Why is that? Have you, have you drilled into that argument? Well, yeah, well, I've... I've looked. I've looked into that. Yeah, these are the reasons why. Like, for example, in my previous pregnancy, um, I wanted to go down the route of midwifery led unit, and okay. I I was told that I would not be suitable for midwifery led unit because of my age. Um, I'm I'm I am now forty one, but um, at the time I was actually thirty eight, thirty nine, oh. and um, which, so what I was told in the beginning of my booking appointments was actually incorrect, and I was told at the very end that I should not have. Been told that the okay. reason why I couldn't attend them. And who, who told you that you should not have been told? If you follow one, one of the mid, one of the midwives oh, okay. in the antenatal in the antenatal clinics, okay. um, at the very beginning of my of my pregnancy, my last pregnancy. So I I missed out on because I don't I didn't want interventions. I didn't want any kind of you know monitoring. I just wanted a natural as natural as possible uh, birth because home birth in this mm. area is, is quite difficult to get because we don't have enough home birth midwives in, yeah, in the area to, to cover this area okay. where I am. Let's, let's stay by the same as you can. Lynn, I've shown Lynn, an awful lot of information yeah, no, that you it's, 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 it's for the listeners and for, for women yeah. especially. Uh, and and uh, everybody. Uh, Linda, good afternoon, Linda. Hello, Joe. How are you? To tell us your story, please, Linda. Yeah, uh, first of all, I'm absolutely fascinated with the trend at the moment compared to my time, 1974. I'm 70 now, yeah. uh, with uh, that there's some stigma around um, cesarean. In my day, you, you couldn't get one. It was very difficult. Okay. Everything was run by the religious orders. Yeah. And uh, the nurse above me producing the child was turned out to be a nun. And the matron was a nun. Okay. And they didn't speak to you. They told you nothing. They stood at the end of your bed and they liaised with the consultant. And they just looked up at you and said, OK, fine, from the end of the bed. But um, my daughter at 21 was born um, a natural birth. She was 10 months because my pelvis was so small. It was a gyne pelvis. And I okay. was 10 months. They took, I couldn't get her out. They couldn't wow. get her out. So they brought me down, and whatever they did, I don't know if they probably just, as that lady said, they induced me, which I didn't want. Uh, You had no choice. And uh, she was born then dead. Oh, my God. The cord was wrapped around her neck, which she was resuscitated. I'm so sorry to hear that. No, she was resuscitated. Oh, great, 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 great. Yeah, brilliant child. A high-powered job as a lawyer. Brilliant, Um, brilliant. She could have been brain uh, brain damaged. But the point is, she was 10 months. She should have been cesarean. Yeah. Uh, and it just wasn't an option in that hospital. Even in no, an, even no, in an they, emergency. No, it was never even mentioned. No, because they had no scans and they wouldn't know that the child had the cord wrapped around its neck. And I was left pushing. And the more I pushed, the more I strangled her. Oh. I was left with stitches internally, stitches externally, huge hemorrhoids sitting in hot baths with oh, black thing. and blue on your bottom. It was yeah. horrific. But the main thing is, when I got to menopause in my late 40s, I had stress incontinence, which okay. comes on from natural birth. You wouldn't get that. 
if you had no children or a cesarean yeah. because those organs are not touched. Yeah, yeah, and as yeah. a result, to solve that, I then go in my early 50s and I have a sling put in to support uh, the bladder. Okay. That causes problems. I have to have it removed, long story. But I'm left with a scar like a cesarean anyway yeah. because that's how they had to remove it. In Bristol, in England, they don't even do it here. So to me... I just can't understand how somebody wouldn't have a cesarean. I think it's wonderful. Okay, it's so difficult. so this so Linda, this happened. Do you want me asking at what year? Seventy four. Seventy four. Okay, yeah. No, said that. Okay. Yeah. Now, the time of the bombings. Do you remember? Yeah, the of course. Bombings I do. May nineteen yeah. seventy. May the seventeenth, nineteen seventy. That's right. And you were yeah. given pethidine. And yeah. I was so young, they considered twenty one. But, we, young back but then. Linda, were you aware of anyone else of your age group or friends? who had been offered a C-section in an emergency, which you which you should have got because it was an emergency. Were, were yeah. C-sections at all uh, or, uh, prevalent or yeah. evident? Uh, there was one in the ward with me uh, when I was moved to a nursing home because I was pretty bad after it. Um, she mentioned a C-section. She had had one. I don't know what her difficulties were. I didn't okay. discuss it with her. But she seemed a bit older than me now. I was only 21, you know. So we've gone but, We've gone from a situation, I, I don't know if we can use 1974 as, as a landmark, but we've gone from a situation in the 70s where C-sections seemed to be extraordinarily rare. And in fact, in your case, you should have been, you should have been uh, offered one because it was an emergency to the situation today where we're yeah. told one out of every three first-time births are C-sections. Yeah, it's just a so, connotation on it. I don't yeah. understand. The trends seem to change, and I don't know who's right and who's wrong. I can only give you my experience. Yeah. And my experience was a natural birth was not used to me. Of course, I was of course. too small, too tight. The pushing damaged the child, the cord yeah. strand neck, and it left me with problems later on in life. And did you um, ever, now, not, not that you'd have the energy even or the the time for this, but did you ever have a discussion with them afterwards to say, why didn't I have a C-section? That was incredibly traumatic. No, Joe, I didn't. I didn't have, yeah. uh, I've never forgotten it and I'm into writing. I'm writing a book. And brilliant, one of the brilliant. things I always wrote about was my experience in childbirth is was yeah. horrific to me. But I did later on go about the stress incontinence and the consultant I met, I didn't discuss uh, the uh, C-section, but I did discuss generally about the birth. Okay. And it, they had changed. The consultants were more friendly. Yeah. It was a different attitude. Right, right. The attitude back then was like in school. You keep quiet. You keep your mouth shut. Yeah, yeah. We're handling this. Oh, by the way, how I found out, they never told me that the cord was around her neck or that she was born dead. When you're in the bed afterwards, the chart is cooked at the end of your bed by mistake by one of the nurses. They take them away in yeah. my day. And I read it. And that's where I saw fetal heart distress and that the cord was wrapped around her neck. And the nurse found out and took it away from me. You weren't even allowed to read your file. And they're totally different terms. I don't think they're as bad as they were back then. And you do have the choice to speak up now. Women are much more educated. And would you have spoken to your daughter? It's your daughter, isn't it? Yes, yeah. I don't. Did you, would you have spoke, Would you have told your daughter of that experience around her birth? Oh, absolutely. I okay. got the file up years later. Well true. done, well done. Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. And she, of course, yeah, definitely. So you were saying C-section, you were, in your case, a C-section was absolutely essential, but you were yeah. refused it on religious grounds, basically. 
I don't far, know that. Yeah, I'm but assuming. Seems, That's yeah. my assumption based on the times we lived in back yeah, then. Yeah. And all the, the church, the hospitals being religiously run. Okay. And this was in the city centre. So. So can keep keep writing, Linda. Keep writing. Oh, I will. I can. <laughs> the only way out, yeah. the only truth. <laughs> and kind, kind regards to you and, and your ah, daughter. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you, Take Linda. Care of thank you. Bye thank bye. you. Back bye. after this. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. By the way, this this study was conducted across, we're told, two large um, maternity hospitals, uh, in a sense large, approximately 8,500 uh, births per annum, and one medium uh, size maternity hospital in the Republic of Ireland on three, uh, for, that would have had 3,000 uh, births. Now there's um, unless I can find it in, in the small print, I, I don't know what the the background of each hospital was. I don't know whether that would make on the basis of what Linda's just told us, that would make a difference to this study which, uh, which and it, it's, it's pointing to it in fairness as being worrying that one out of every three first time births are uh, by C-section, as it's called. Um, uh, I'll go to Colm O'Brien has contacted us from Belgium. Colm, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm listening here in Belgium and it's, it's, it's bringing memories flooding back of the birth of our, our son Jake in 2001, okay. um, who who was uh, who was clearly, you know, would, would have benefited from a, an emergency C-section at the time. We, we've, we've subsequently discovered he... Uh, my wife was was just over full term, and we were in a private hospital over here, which is quite unusual with the functioning medical system we have here. Um, but we decided to go privately anyway, and our obstetrician gynaecologist uh, decided that it was best that she was induced. So he administered mm-hmm. uh, prostaglandins in the morning time, in eight o'clock in the morning, and my wife and an epidural at the same time, which was also a, another issue. Um, and as a result, what people didn't know, what we didn't know, and we've subsequently discovered through a you know whole chain of you know medical experts that offered their opinion over the first twelve years of his life trying to find answers to these, these questions, uh, is yeah. that you know when the minister prostaglandins, that it obviously brings on the, the the contractions. And as our son Jake was with the, had the umbilical cord around his neck and was also in breech position, there was fetal signs of fetal. Distress during yeah. the, when the external monitoring was happening before my wife was moved to uh, the delivery room, and thereafter the the monitoring was detached. Uh, they they basically what 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 we discovered was as as a result of him being in breech position and his head engaged that she was basically contracting and and. and pushing against his head repeatedly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, as a result, it, it, it cost him his life. Uh, he was with okay. us for, for 15 years, which we were blessed to have because we were told he, he wouldn't live a day, a week, yeah. a month. Um, so we were you know, absolutely you know, uh, you know, delighted that he, he we, we were able to be his parents for 15 years, you know, but the, 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 the whole, you know, the whole... His whole whole life could have been saved by by a doctor not administering, you know, prostaglandins or explaining to us what the options were, or giving mm-hmm. us an option of emergency cesarean. And subsequently, our two sons that were born thereafter were both born by C-section because okay. they discovered my my wife wasn't physically capable of yeah. of uh, you know there wasn't enough space for for a natural birth. Um, so that's in, in, in essence. 
you know our experience, uh, Joe. It's it's uh, and that, yeah, that, it traumatic. And I'm I'm so sorry to hear about your gorgeous boy uh, that, that died fifteen. Jake, as he was named. But just one thing I noticed yeah. from from the report. Again, these are these are quotes from various medics. Um, they were told by one a huge influence in the fact so many Irish women giving giving birth were fat short as fat old and short compared to the Netherlands. Now I know the Netherlands are not Belgium. Um, compared to the Netherlands, where they are taller, slimmer, and healthier, with a lower cesarean section rate. The, insofar as you know, is is that true that there's there's a lower there, there, uh, difference? There, well, there is a difference. But I, we were we were told, you know, because we went through the whole press process of trying to find out because they weren't, you know, the medical profession is notoriously secretive about protecting mm. themselves in case of litigation. Mm. Um, but one of those, one of the points that was made was that the, 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 the difference in size, like I come from a, a family that are very tall, in, you know, so I'm, I'm six foot myself, I have sisters that okay. are six one, um, and my wife is much smaller. So there is a physical aspect to, you know, the yeah. combination of, 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 of partners. And, and you see, I suppose in the Netherlands and, and in northern Belgium as well, Flanders, you know, the diet much richer in you know dairy products and so on and so forth so they you know generally are quite a bit taller and quite a bit you know uh mm. you know slimmer you know because they they, they you know they cycle everywhere there's a more of an aspect of outdoor life than there would be in Ireland you know so yeah I think I don't know not I'm not fully informed but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case Joe yeah and in terms of when when you just discovered Jake's difference because what what had happened what did you did yourself and your and your wife pursue the issue of what had happened? Yeah, well, it's, it 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 works very differently over here uh, than as it than it does at home. Um, there was a huge amount, as you can imagine, when you, when a child when your child is born in circumstances like that, you go through a sort of a, a whole pattern of emotions, and and the, the, you know the, uh, the first is you know uh, you know. Uh, anger, you know, because we we knew something was wrong. We had we had one person, that was our uh, uh, physiotherapist in the in the delivery mm-hmm. room, with us screaming at them to put a monitor on our baby. So we knew there was something wrong, and the hospital or the doctor were very forthcoming about what what had actually happened or what was gone wrong. And um, it it took a certain amount of time to to. You know, get get all 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 those opinions in from medical experts. Mm-hmm. Twelve years, in fact. You know, and uh, you know, the, as as a, as a result, they basically held out. They were treading water yeah. in the hope yeah. that he would yeah. die because oh, you know, then the prob the problem would just go away. That's that's really so. Every day, every time they were given a deadline to, you know, submit mm-hmm. a medical report or, or or whatever, they waited until the last hour of the last day. It could be six months or a year or whatever else. They constantly dragged it out. So it was a very hard process trying to get those those answers you know yeah, I'm also um, you also raised the issue in my head I just mentioned that there were three hospitals they're unnamed that cooperated with this study which in itself given what you were saying about medics everywhere uh, rally round each other in times of difficulty I know, I know that there are of course major exceptions but just to, to use that point you made and um, I just wondered the hospitals should the hospitals that cooperated with this study be named because well, in cooperating with the study, they are saying, now I don't know what the actual protocols were uh, in terms of who obviously was on a voluntary basis, but the hospital were saying, yes, we will, we will welcome in researchers to ask our professionals what, 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 yeah. what do you, which is, which is 
positive, I think. So it would, it would, yeah. it would be worth finding out um, what were the hospitals. It was, a, it was a study conducted by Trinity College. Were the hospitals connected with, you know, different colleges have different connections with different hospitals. Um, and I, 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 I'd be fascinated to, to, to read that end of it. And Colm, um, an awful question, but did you... Um, you're in Belgium. This happened in Belgium. Jake's Jake's birth in this way. Do you think it would have yep. been different in Ireland? What an awful question. Well, do you think it would have been different in Ireland? Uh, well, I suppose it would have. If, if, if I'm completely honest, because I know there's, there's elements of of well, yeah. Well, I suppose yeah. From, from the short answer is yes, because we we chose the hospital we chose. Because they had an English-speaking uh, staff, a nursing staff. Oh, okay. The doctor was English-speaking. And had we gone to the university hospital, our bigger hospital, like we did uh, with our, 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 our the subsequent two children that were born, we would have had access to a oh, much okay. larger neonatal unit for for you okay. know media care thereafter. And um, you know, I don't know. It's a very hard question to, to answer whether whether could have you you might you know, know you might a, expect that that uh, yeah. that there'd be more honest. Like I think I said to you researcher there, one of the, the main issues that came out in the report was that the doctor that or the gynecologist that delivered my wife um, performed eight uh, births uh, of which two were staring, two hysterectomies and a, and a further gynecological operation between the hours of eight and, 11, and one o'clock because he was wow. heading off the day. So this was one of the motivations. Because he was, he, he was he sorry, Mr. Because he was heading off where? On holidays. Oh, okay, okay. So he, okay. he he had wanted to get all these private yeah, clients yeah, yeah. dealt with by himself without passing it over to a colleague. So this was, you know, and the, 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 the industry, that, that, that profession is so secretive. I mean, you know, getting the information from us. So this is why I would you know, absolutely agree. But give that those reports are, 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 are you know, those hospitals are, are, are publicised because it would help people to make an informed decision as well about where where they want to go. It would just add another layer of, you know, certainty. It's a very hard, very difficult, you know, a very, you know, un- hard thing to give birth. Yeah. I'm sure I'm not yeah. a woman, of course, you right. know, but I've seen what my wife has gone through. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah. my, my hat goes yeah. off to women that, 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 that give birth, and it's fantastic. But it's, it's, a, it's a huge trauma for them as well. So any, any, anything that alleviates some of the worry and stress, you know, uh, sh- should be done, of course. But I don't see it ever happening, to be honest with you, because, of, you know, there's such a secret of, uh, you know, uh, really. Okay. Uh, what we were told here, I don't know if it's true or not, that a, a, a doctor will not get medical insurance in this country without signing a, a disclaimer to say that he will never set, accept uh, uh, responsibility in a, in a negligence case. And so now that that was from through our, yeah. our our own our own solicitor, our lawyer that told us that. Now, so I don't know if that's actual fact, but that's that that was the that was the suggestion that was made, which I wouldn't be surprised at because during those twelve years of of fighting him in, in courts, which you know wasn't mm-hmm. for a second because the settlement was peanuts compared to you know it was literally for answers. You know, we're so looked after mm-hmm. here from the medical system. We didn't need. You know the the financial okay. intervention okay. you would need in Ireland because we all his material was covered, all his schooling, all his medical was one hundred percent covered by the state. So we we it wasn't for that; it was for answers. But that's that's you know that's the reality of the situation with 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 the medical profession. And in, in my point of view, okay. When I say, I say my understanding. Uh, Jake lived for fifteen years, um, but he would have been from what you say around twenty one now. God rest him. 
Yeah. Going on 22, yeah. Wow. So we were blessed to have him in our lives, yeah, Joe, yeah, for, for yeah, 15 yeah. years, really and truly. And that's where, um, you, that's where you opened your call, and um, it's a very important thing to say. So kind regards, Colm, to you and your partner and your family, and uh, God, God rest young Jake. God rest him. Thanks right. indeed. That's Colm Cheers, O'Brien. Thank you very Cheers, Colm, in you. Belgium. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 And Joe at RT.ie. Our WhatsApp number, by the way, for voice messages in the next 24 hours is 87 It's also on our website. The WhatsApp uh, voice messages, 87 Mary, good afternoon. Hi, Joe. Uh, how are you? Sorry for holding you there. Your, your story, please, Mary. Yeah, so I had a baby 14 weeks ago, so I have to admit, um, I just the hospital I went to, they were nearly totally against uh, C-sections, and I suppose I'm in that category of uh, old, fat, and, uh, and short in height, um, and they did, literally did everything they could to avoid um, an emergency C-section, mm-hmm. um, and it essentially started with my washers going... Oh. And then they hold an offer 24 hours to see if that would happen. Um, and then they decided on induction because of the risk of infection to the baby. Okay. Um, but then that didn't work. The induction didn't work for me. But literally the consultant went through, and, and the midwives, they were doing absolutely everything they could to avoid C-section. Um, and then when it came down to the decision, it was because of the risk of infection to baby was the ultimate decider to go for C-section. But still the consultant was will we wait another day um, okay. so it was kind of nearly me that was nearly making the decision to go for C-section um, and they went through all the, the risks with C-section and how hard it would be and I suppose okay. after having one child naturally and now this baby with C-section the recovery is a nightmare and you know they did explain that to me but I suppose until you live it you don't realise what the recovery is like um, you know, simple things of no driving, your C-section, yeah, yeah. wound infection. And yeah. then I got a clot in the leg, which again, okay. hampered my recovery. So, you know, it, the C-sections are definitely, I, I, I wouldn't encourage anyone to go for an elective C-section. And I know it's on the rise, mm-hmm. but um, certainly in the hospital I went to, it, anyway, they were trying to do everything to avoid C-section. So, so one aspect we've been hearing early, already in this programme is that one woman was told because you're a BMI, um, yeah. you, 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 we've no option but a C-section. But your, your experience recently, I think it was in the south of the country, was totally different. You were, you were told and you volunteered this because of your BMI. That does not necessarily mean by a long shot that we're going for a C-section. We're only no, going and for, yeah. I suppose, yeah, leading up on my pregnancy because of my age... They did, you know, the consultant did say that um, because of the risk of stillbirth as you get older, um, it would be induction. So, um, but my washers went even before we headed that that route. But yet, no, totally avoiding C-section and was, you know, even in the recovery um, stage, you know, he kept asking, how would you find a C-section? And I said, horrible. You know, it is, it does affect everything. Um, Your recovery is a lot better in the natural um, delivery yeah, than it is the C-section. But yeah. you're saying the medics, in fairness to them, did did make it clear to you about the, 
the recovery process after a C-section they did, is. Yeah, yeah. and even okay. the midwives. And they were doing everything to, and of course, there's a, a timeline. I was being induced, so you have, it's essentially kind of 12 hours before they yeah, have to make yeah, a decision. Yeah. Um, or, and that's what we said. And, but, and uh, how are you today, Mary? Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're good, but it does take a good three months now with me. And now, obviously, I, I you know, I've had a clot, so that's a, a complication yeah, yeah. now for future pregnancies and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, no, but listening to some of the women out there and, um, you know, it's, it is, it is tough, a C-section. So it's, it's a shame that women are pushed to C-sections without being told all of the, the risks. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's a fourteen week old baby on Liveline at the minute. Yes, it is. What's her name? Ella. <laughs> Ella. Well, you can tell yeah. Ella. Would you? Would, would you? Would, it'll be up on the uh, the podcast later. I I, I just want Ella. Try not to interrupt me for a second, because um, <laughs> Ella, Ella, when you listen, your mother and uh, parents are going to tape this. Uh, from the podcast later on this afternoon, and they're going to play it to you at your twenty fourth birthday. You're fourteen. Uh, weeks old and you're on live line and correctly and appropriately Ella you were inter- interrupting okay. Joe Duffy thank you so yeah. much thank no you problem. so much Thanks, Joe. Mary kind regards and congratulations again to you Thanks. and Bye. Ella and your family joe at rt.ie talk to joe on 0818 Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Amy, good afternoon. Um, Amy, your, your your experience, please. Hi, Joe. Hi. Um, I have uh, given birth to my first baby nine months ago. That's you might hear her name in the background. Yeah, great. Um, I didn't have a very pleasant delivery. Um, I just, I, I, I suppose, what, what, brought me to text in this morning was just um, another caller that you had on just talking about induction. Um, I was two weeks, nearly two weeks overdue on um, my baby and I kind of, I went to see my doctor. Um, I was a week overdue at this stage and they booked me for the induction. There was no kind of, um, you know, discussion over whether something I wanted um, and or I wasn't even informed of any risks or anything. Um, and uh, the other caller also was speaking about the sleep. That was something that, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they did for me, but I, I didn't ask for it. I didn't really know much about it. Um, being my first baby, I just thought it was standard. They said, well, you know, you're a week overdue now, we may do this. Um, but okay. little did I know that this could follow on to an induction um, uh, to other interventions. But um, when so I were, did you were, you, were, you were, sorry, I mean, you were told, sorry for interrupting, you were told okay. uh, induction, full stop. Yeah, yeah, I it was it was at 41 weeks I was told okay well we only go to 10 days um overdue and that was it and it, I was given a selection of either um of two dates um the 10 days or the 11 days and I went with the 10 because I was obviously eager to deliver and um, but I just thought you know okay well this has to be done I wasn't informed that this was a choice um, or it was mm-hmm. advice, um, which I now, um, you know, have been kind of made aware of that I did have a choice. Um, you know okay. that there, you know, it's not something that you definitely have to do. And I would um, just make women aware of that because um, it could have saved me from what followed, um, which was a very traumatic delivery. Okay. Um, I was induced on a Thursday. Um, a very 
I was actually, it wasn't, you know, um, it wasn't a long induction. I kind of reacted very quickly to the gel and that they use and I started contracting. Um, but unfortunately, my waters wouldn't break spontaneously. So they had okay. to be um, broken by the doctor. Um, mm. But I was told then I was ready kind of to have my waters break, uh, broken at five o'clock in the evening on the Thursday. Um, but they were, they had told me then that uh, they didn't have a bed for me on the labour ward till the following morning. So I was contracting through the night, um, really uncomfortable, and all I was allowed to have was paracetamol, um, which did nothing. Um, so yeah. I obviously didn't sleep through the night, and then I was brought into the labour ward at 8 o'clock in the morning, had my waters uh, broken, and I yeah. um, started to dilate, thankfully. Yeah. Um, I wasn't made aware of any of the risks induction um, just I don't know if your callers are aware but when you are mm. induced um, the kind of the risks of having um, an assisted birth go up um, and that's what happened um, with my uh, baby I had to have an assisted birth so yeah. um, she was delivered by well they attempted actually a Vontu's delivery which is the suction um, okay. birth that failed twice and then they had to deliver her by four steps well, because okay. her heart rate was yeah. um uh, you know, she, she was in distress, basically. Um, I did have an epidural, but unfortunately, um, it, it didn't really take um, 100%, and I still was in quite a lot of discomfort. Um, but she was born anyway, and um, I then suffered a postpartum hemorrhage, and oh, it was very significant. Um, yeah. And also, I will just say that um, my treatment of my partner wasn't really any better than the treatment of me. Um, he had to witness everything that was going on um, with myself, which he is suffering from. You know, um, he's very traumatised mm. by, um, and uh, I was in and out of consciousness, and nobody was informing him or updating him. You know, they just kind of left him, you know, right beside me, and I was dying basically in front of his eyes, um, as far as he was aware. Um, so I, it turns out that uh, my volume loss was actually underestimated initially. They just thought that it was about 1,500 mils, but it actually yeah. turned out to be closer to 3 litres. Oh, um, and I was, my recovery then was absolutely horrific. Um, I suppose so my major point coming on to you um, mm. today is just the lack of information and the yeah. lack of support for women in general, whether it be throughout their pregnancy and also after they deliver the baby. Like, I suffered a major trauma. Um, yeah. my, my kind of trauma uh, definitely lies with the like my recovery because I was so debilitated and wasn't able to look after my daughter properly and I was extremely, extremely ill. I had to have blood transfusions and um, I was on... Um, high doses of uh, um, antibiotics, IV, and I was in hospital for quite a long time afterwards. But I was also left with very little support during the night. So I used to be in tears when my partner would go home in the evening. He was yeah. only allowed to stay, um, obviously, the visiting hours. And I just would dread the evening. And that still is something that, um, uh, you know, stays with me. I'm I'm going through um, treatment for um uh, PTSD um, okay. regarding my, my birth and I have suffering with postpartum depression as well so yeah. um, like I just I just want to highlight the lack of support and like I mean it's it's just it's horrific and I so I just can't I can't I can't believe in this day and age that yeah. women are treated like this way um, you know 
medicine has come a long way. I'm actually a nurse myself and I'm not a midwife. I don't have any knowledge um, regarding midwifery, but, um, mm. you know, medicine has come on leaps and bounds and still they, there's such a lacking there um, in the maternity hospitals and after and in the community too. Like, obviously I had input from my public health nurse and my GP, um, you know, but like there's no there's no resource um, kind of for um, mm-hmm. birth trauma resolution, um, only private. Like, I, I, thankfully I came across a private um, birth trauma res- resolution counsellor and she's been absolutely amazing. Um, and Brilliant. I don't know if Brilliant. I can um, if I can tell you the name of her website because it's just, it's a really good resource. Yeah, something fine. That I just people will look it up anyway and then people make their um, own decisions. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's birth trauma resolutions and it's my birth, my bump my birth to my baby as well. Okay. Just for anybody who's gone through similar, um, but I've okay. just found them amazing. Um, but I just, I, I suppose that's my my reason I came on today. And sorry, I'm shaking a little bit because it's something that I'm still struggling with. But I just wanted mm. to highlight that this is going on. Um, and I've really appreciated listening to your other callers too, and they're and, and really great to come on and tell their story. To listen to you, and as you say, your baby is is still less. This your baby is less than a year old, and this is what happened in yeah. Ireland in in yeah. the last twelve months. Yeah, and it, it's it also it scares it scares me to think of going through childbirth again, Joe. Like this is the thing that I've been left with now. I'm I, I ideally I would have liked to have a big family, um, yeah. you know, more than one child anyway. And now with the thoughts of that, um, you know, getting pregnant it just ter- it terrified me because I don't know what's going to happen. And okay, I, my thoughts were maybe I will get a C section, but listen to your other callers, I don't think really. That's okay. um, you know, uh, you know, obviously women struggle, and it's not the easy route either. Like it's it's horrendous. The recovery is a major surgery, and um, so like it's just yeah, it's just. It is, a, and and Amy, I can tell you, your contribution is is really really appreciated, um, and I I suspect if people keep listening, uh, they will hear. Um, they will hear other contributions as well, which will help, hopefully, help people, including professionals, um, yeah. make 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 these judgments and indeed communication about them both before and after. Amy, kind, kind regards to you uh, and you, your Joe. baby and indeed your partner that you mentioned earlier as well, Amy. Uh, Kira Morphy, Kira, good afternoon. Hi, Joe. <laughs> uh, what's what's your uh, experience, Kira? Um. Very similar to your oh sorry, <laughs> very similar to your last caller. Um okay. I like I've got two two beautiful oh so sorry. <laughs> I've got two beautiful daughters. Yeah. And um on my second daughter, um I did I developed um this uh my liver started to go off funny. Okay. And um I went in and we we I was brought in a week early and I was um they decided I your blood aren't right, we're going to deliver. So we went through the same thing as your last caller. We had um, we had a sweep and we had an injunction. And I said to them, like on my first one, she came out like a rocket. I wasn't in labour for very long. It was yeah. a very quick birth. They didn't, they went, yeah, yeah, yeah. The doctor, as soon as she brought my waters, I said, am I going straight down to the delivery room? And she said, ah, you'd be ages. And I was like, no, um, my first mm. care, all deliveries are different. And I was like, all right, yeah, whatever. So, Okay. As soon as she broke and she went out and I looked at my husband and went, I, this is going. And he looked at me and said, seriously, and I stood up and I was leaning against the wall and I said, go get a nurse. And only for him. And he grabbed the nurse and he said, look, she's she's in labour. And yeah. literally, the time it took them from from where we were to down to the delivery room, I had already dilated. I was ready to go. Like okay. she, she was ready to pop out and they hadn't got time to 
sign anything, put wires on me, nothing. Mm-hmm. And she came out. But what happened was she, she got stuck. And uh, they had to, there was, they hit an alarm. There was loads of people in the room. Okay. They had to put her back in, help me, um, take her out. And then, of course, when she when she took out, she didn't breathe. Okay. And I, my, my sister has CP. And uh, the same thing happened to my mum. My mum delivered my sister. Um, it was lack of oxygen. She ended up with cerebral palsy. Okay. So in my head, I was counting how many minutes is that? What yeah. am I going to be dealing? What am I going to deal with? What are we going to deal with? Yeah, yeah. So eventually, then she she um she started to cry, and then we had the aftermath. So, but the only thing is that through the whole pregnancy, both my pregnancies, I had. Now, I we just choose to have our babies when I was in my thirties, and all I heard was, "You need to lose weight. Mm. You're older. You need to lose weight." Now, Joe, I'm. <laughs> Me and my husband would love to have, and my girls would love to have a baby brother and a baby boy. Okay. But with the statistics that you've given and they've given out today, I'm too fat, I'm too old, and I'm five foot seven. So, you know, there's no, as soon as you go in, you're weighed. They're comment on what you eat. They comment on everything you do. It's like, and and they don't listen to you. They don't listen to you. I was too afraid to say, there's something not right here or, mm-hmm. you know, there's something wrong. I, I've got really itchy feet and I had itchy feet for like months and I wasn't told anything. You're not told any of these signs to look out for. You're told, yeah, you, you may experience this, you may, but there's no real communication and they don't, they don't really care. And in this day and age, like that woman there, they don't, they don't listen to you. They don't, mm-hmm. they just go, oh, it's a natural thing. Women have babies everywhere. They have them all over the world, in the, in the open, in the outback, whatever. That's fine. That's okay. But everybody is different and everybody and every woman is different. And everybody goes through pain differently. Yes, I had two natural births. That's fine. But one of them was very traumatic. And even now, if you say like to mm-hmm. to people, Do you, did you have a natural birth? Why is that so? <laughs> why is that a, a, a badge yeah. of honour? Yes, yeah. I had a natural birth. Yeah. It doesn't really care. You delivered a baby, you made a baby. As long as that baby is healthy and happy Please and yeah. can yeah. do the things they can. And I know yeah. what a baby can't do because I've lived it. I've, I've a sister with a disability and she's 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 come up to 50 and we're still having to help her, care yeah. her. Yeah. And all because a doctor didn't give my mother that choice okay. to have a cesarean section. And only when I was born, the nurse, the doctor actually turned around and she said, no, Mrs. McGrath, you're having and a C-section on your second daughter because we can't run. I'm not going to run the risk of you having two disabled daughters. And that's the thing. So the doctors have to, the maternity hospitals in this country and the doctors themselves have to remember that everybody's different and a little bit of bedtime, bedside manner and a little bit of care and compassion is is what what we're asking for. We're not asking for an awful lot, just to be listened to. Well said, Kira, and kind kind regards to your two girls and indeed your 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 sister. Um, that's Kira Murphy. Stay stay listening. Apologies to the women we could not get in. They're primarily women. Voice messages. If you if if you feel that's the way that we rather would people come on air, but if you feel you want to leave a voice message, it's oh eight seven one eight four three seven oh nine. That's twenty four seven oh eight seven one eight four three seven oh nine. Brenda Dunn, her producer, Ray Darcy's next.
0818-715-815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie.